I don't know if I've experienced that yet, to be to be honest. And maybe that's because I'm not in the same boat as you. But mm-hmm. like when you say oh, I'm that, in a boat I don't know what you Titanic. mean. <laughs> I'm in the boat and it's the Titanic. Welcome to the It's the 20s for Me podcast, where mental illness thrives while we out here trying to survive. Chaos, anarchy, mania. You want it, we got it. Just two girls in their 20s who met in college and already knew how messed up adulting is. We keep it a little too real, so listener discretion is advised. Welcome Welcome and thanks thanks for for listening. Do you want to know what my big purchase was this week? Yes, I would love to know. I bought Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom because what kind of photographer would I be if I didn't have that? I love that. Not a very good one. Not a very good one. No. Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) You know what my big purchase of this week was? What was it? Moving across the country. You know what, Shara? (laughs) You left, and I'm upset, and I will never recover. You know what's interesting, though? It actually ended up being, even with these gas prices, it ended up being a lot cheaper than I thought. I'm not surprised. I mean, the other thing is, we found out that, so my car is actually 14 gallon, not 16. Didn't know that when I bought it, so I don't know how. it's smaller than mine. Yeah, it's really small, but it still gets really good gas mileage. When it's not tugging thousands of pounds. I'm pretty sure we went over the weight limit on both my car and the U-Haul trailer. So we would only be able to travel an hour at a time before having to fill up again. And it was like 50 to $60 each time. So imagine oh, a whole day of driving every hour having to stop and fill up on gas, essentially. I don't know so. about you, but if I had to move across the country with my family... I would probably leave them on the side of the road. I was getting close, I promise. I was getting really close. It was no bueno. I'll be like, you all can hitchhike there. I'm not doing this. Literally. Literally. Oh, man. But otherwise, your week's going. It's going. Yeah, I put my room together. I organized the crap out of it. So I ordered a bunch of stuff off of Amazon. It's coming in. I'm thinking (laughs) about reorganizing. I think I'm going to reorganize mine when I get back from my trip. Like, I really want to, like, clean out my closet and, like, organize it and then clean out. Like, I have, like, a corner of my room with a bunch of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, clean that out so I can move the the dresser down and, like, maybe get a small desk because I'm sick of sitting, like, on my bed against the wall working. Like, it's just not yeah. comfortable anymore. You can get some pretty decent foldable desks now, or like foldable tables. So. Even like lap desk, I'm mm-hmm. still not having any support. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it is what it is. It is what it is. It really is. <laughs> so, our topic of the week is a heavy one. It's quite heavy. Mm. Um,. So, listener discretion is advised and, like, trigger warning. Mm-hmm. Um, s- the stuff that we're going to be unpacking today is years of therapy ridden baggage. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We 
are going to approach the subject of mental health. Everyone's favorite topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't even know where to start. There's so many directions we could take this in. So, I know, like, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about bullying and toxic friendships. And I think, like, branching off of that, I think a lot of, like, mental illness, for me, came from bullying for mm-hmm. years among other things um that's like a big one for me um so I have really bad body dysmorphia um for people who like have never seen me before or like limited seen me before um I'm tattooed like kind of aggressively um some people refer to it as heavily tattooed Mm -hmm. um I don't think I've reached heavily but that's besides the point um (laughs) I literally, it has been, like, the one thing, like, in my life that I enjoy because it takes my mind off of what I look like for five seconds. Um, So, I started having body dysmorphia when I was in probably, like, fifth or sixth grade. Um, Back when I was being bullied about, you know, being the more developed gal of, like, the class and those girls that came in that were just brutal to me would pick on every little thing about me. Um, And like, that's when I was like, I kind of was like, I was kind of an emo kid. I still am. I'm still an emo kid at heart. Um, It just portrays itself as skater boy now. (laughs) I would say Um, we're definitely both like in the same boat. Yeah. I'm more like, I don't dress like, when I was younger, I dressed as goth. I'll have to see if I can find pictures. But, like, now that I'm older, it's more, like, skater boy-esque. Yeah. Um, but, like, that was, like, one way I, like, expressed myself at the time. Um, at the time, too, I was, like, struggling. Like, struggling. Because my grandfather, someone very close to me, passed away. Um, actually, I think it was, like, seventh grade he passed away. And I couldn't cope with it. So, it just kind of spiraled from there. And then the mental illness really set in more. So. And then it is what it is today, I guess. That's a whole boatload of problems. I feel like a lot of what we experienced growing up definitely contributes to mental health. I mean, I feel like I just recently have started my mental health journey, if we're really being honest, because I have... I've had a whole slew of um, psychologists, counselors, and it seemed like there was no hope for me. I mean, I was young at the time, so that's probably why, but it just seems like I've been going through that for such a long time and that I haven't even found an actual solution. I've only been putting a massive Band-Aid on top all the time. I agree with that. I think... Like, even prior to the bullying stuff, like, I didn't have an easy life at home. I had a lot of shit go on and still go on. Um, And I always tried to, like, I tried to see a therapist. And it was, like, every therapist I had, just, it didn't work. I don't know what it was. Like, they just, one of them I remember vividly was, like, you need to go to religion. And I'm, like... No, I don't think that's the solution to mental illness, but okay. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about mental illness as well. And like, Mm -hmm. 
people always think, and I'm religious myself, but people always think that religion will solve it. It's, it won't. It's, it's a tool, if you really yeah. think about it. Like, the way that – so I used to be an IOP when I was younger, which is mm-hmm. um, uh, outpatient therapy. So basically I wanted to uh, – unalive at one point. So I ended up going to this special six-week program where I would sit in a room with a bunch of kids similar to my age and we would talk about like what happened to us or what our issues were, things like that. And we would come up with coping skills and we had what we called a toolbox, like our coping toolbox. And so we would add stuff to the toolbox. So I feel like religion is just a tool. I don't think it's the answer. It wasn't the answer. I could have told you that. Um, I think for me, it was like after my grandfather passed away I was still being like bullied the shit bullied out of me and that's when I turned to like self-harm and self-harming tendencies and that was like one of the one things that like I it fucked with me so bad and that was when I was put into therapy and that was the religious lady and I was like I don't think that's gonna help I'm very far from my religion and like as a side comment I'm still far from my religion Um, I don't know if I'll ever go back to it just because I have a lot of issues with it. Mm -hmm. Um, some, the, the scandals, the, the, the money Mm -hmm. asking all the time, like, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things for me where it's like, I lost my faith and I don't really want to find it. Yeah. Um, and same for like my, like, I don't believe that God is like truly present I think he's very like I'm agnostic so I think that he just watches over and like doesn't have a hand in everything um so I that's where I stand on that I'm not shaming religious people it's just not for me um but also don't be that person who's like my religion is superior because yeah yeah it happened to me I had an argument with someone one time and they got really mad about it but back to what I was saying (laughs) um side tangent to the real conversation um yeah and then from there it was just like rocky it was rock it's been rocky and then I hit college and it was (laughs) a downward spiral yeah I feel that I yeah I so I going into college things were like pretty normal I had anxiety but I had anxiety since my grandfather had passed away like it was one of those things um and then like I went to college and like the first year was fine and the second year I started like having more like depression I think is like the word I would say and I started like this up and down and I couldn't explain it I thought that's just like how people lived and I kind of just, like, kept it in the back of my mind and, like, lived my life. And as I got older, it got worse and worse until finally (laughs) the moment. Um, Junior year, I became, like, I turned 21. So then I kind of shifted to alcohol usage, which... I should not have. Um, I come from a family full of people who abuse alcohol. Um, 
and drugs. So I don't know why that was oh so smart in my crazy brain. Um, but once I turned 21, I think everything like shifted even more to where I'm to like the downward, the, the, the like rock bottom. Um, so I turned 21. I started using alcohol to cope with my sadness and also cope with being the life of the party and being a good time. Um, so fast forward to like senior year, it's still pretty bad, but it didn't hit like it's slowly getting to the bottom. Like we're in like the sixth circle of hell. It's it's we got we got like three more circles to go. Oh boy. Um, I then graduated. I graduated pandemic, so that also was a huge problem because during lockdown I was stuck in Rhode Island. I couldn't go home. I lived in an apartment with someone that I my relationship was slowly falling apart with and my coping mechanism was to drink and eat that was it and like be wild and like depressed at the same time like just shifting that shift um so graduated went home things were normal ish like I was still like having those moments and then I went back and at that time I had started seeing somebody who hindsight is 2020 I don't know if he would like mirror my behavior or if it was like he was also having the same behaviors on top of all of the other bs that went on but it kind of sent me into like even more of a spiral and he like used it against me in Mm. other ways that should not have been like he he took advantage of me um big time um And then I was in and up for, like, a really long time. Like, I think that was a real, like, Shara had to point it out to me. (laughs) She pointed it out to me. I was spending and spending and spending and spending. And I had all these, like, big adventures and all these big ideas. I packed up my shit one day and went to New York City for five days. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I skipped class <laughs> to go to New York. Um, I bought a Tiffany. I got Louboutins. I was having, like, outbursts of rage. I was, yeah, there were so many, like, moments. And then there was other times where i just, like, sit in my house and not want to talk to anybody and just drink myself to sleep. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, post-grad like, couple months into my job, I was still, like, manic. I'd call it manic. And then I just finally hit rock bottom. And I was, like, ready to, like, unalive myself. Like, I had the plan. I knew what I was going to do. I was ready. And then I don't know what happened. I just never... I just got sucked out of, like, that mindset, I guess, and was heading back for, like, that upward trend. But... When I finally was like, yeah, I think there's something wrong, Shara <laughs> was like, mm, you think? <laughs> well, I mean, the other part was the fact that I was actually, I was doing a project at the time, and I had to read the DSM-5, and yeah. I had to do a lot of research on this project, and it turns out that you ended up having what I was doing the project on, you mm-hmm. know, so it just sounded very familiar to me. 
And I remember when you bought the Tiffany necklace, I just kind of sat there like, um, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there were more times when I was concerned, but that was, I think that was the first one. New York, I mean, well, the New York kind of tied into that because that was during your New York trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you went to New York in the middle of a school week and bought and a pandemic. necklace and, and pandemic. pandemic and pandemic. So that, that was like a triple whammy that you did in one full swoop. And then another time that it was really prevalent to me was when I was at your apartment, you were on the phone with somebody or got a text from somebody. And I remember you went from totally fine to just immediately enraged and i've never mm-hmm. seen you that angry before that and was went, when the rage was a thing like i was yes, raging yes and like i mean i've seen you angry before but that was just a whole different level of anger mm-hmm. and you went into your room you stayed on the phone and just myself and one of our other friends was just sitting in your living room we didn't really know what to do she wanted to leave but i was i said um that's the last thing we should yeah. do is leave her especially like this because she could blow even more at any moment, which means she could, you know, from that point on, I was, I was thinking, okay, I think my, uh, my unofficial (laughs) diagnosis is correct, which means she needs to be on like suicide watch at all times, regardless of her mood. She needs to be watched about supplements, meaning, I mean, like, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever. She needs to be watched for texting certain people, calling certain people just in general. So in that moment, I kind of sat there and I just went, oh, yeah, this makes sense. So I remember uh, she, she, our friend said, well, what, what do we do? I said, I'm going to bring her a glass of wine, which will hopefully calm her down some. And then we'll go from there. So I brought you a glass of wine, I remember. And you ended up being kind of okay when I saw you at that point because you kind of vented a little bit already. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But at the same time, I just kind of sat there and I was like, oh. Okay. That's the thing. It's like you have no emotional regulation. None. It's like something small happens and you're just like rage, like just like unhinged. And then, yeah, I, I, I went through like a really bad like rage phase. And I think like when I was going on some of my meds, I had a, I was like, I'm ready to fight. Like I was raging. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard. I think the hardest thing for me was so after Shara and I talked and I was like rock bottom. I like I was like struggling because I was like I have had such bad luck with therapists. Like such bad luck. So I eventually like I found this really good like it's called like thoughtful psychiatry. Um they have like basically everything you need like they have a, my, I don't have a psychiatrist. I have like a nurse practitioner. Um, I forget the acronym, but it's like P-M-H-N-P, like a, I forget what it stands for. Um, it's and um, she's like psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. That's yes, what it stands and then for. she works under a psychiatrist. Um, and like, they have like all the counseling staff and everything. So I had to go on zoom with this woman and she just like interrogated me for like it was like a good like two hours that we like talked i'm glad though that she did two hours because a lot of times when you go to psychiatrists or whoever they only spend 
maximum an hour, which, I mean, an hour may seem like a lot to people, but if you've got, you know, there, there's so many different mental illnesses out there that you need a longer period of time in order to properly diagnose, which is why a lot of people aren't properly diagnosed with whatever it is they have until like much later in life. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because like after she was like, we sat down and went through all the questions and talked about like childhood stuff and like stuff I deal with now involving my childhood and, you know, my family's history and all that good stuff. She was like, this is what you have. This is like how we're going to treat it. And we're going to get through it, basically. And she's been super great with me ever since. And I do, like, see a therapist once a week. And she's, like, sometimes I really think she, like, gets to me. And then other times I'm, like, why did I schedule this this week? Like, there's nothing that was, like, good from this conversation. Like, last week we had, like, a hard week, though. Um, I have, yeah, I have a lot to say about that one. (laughs) That one was... Yeah, hard. I was seeing a therapist for a while too. For the past few months, I kind of got to a point where um, I was just—I mean, I still am, but I feel it's a little bit better. Maybe yeah. um, I was just angry all the time, just kind of lashing out at everyone, also crying all the time, just really having an issue with everything. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, "Listen, you need to like see a therapist. There's no harm in it." It's not that I didn't want to see one. It's just, I mean, I did, but I didn't because I've seen so many and I feel like I've never really gotten what I needed out of it. And so it just kind of felt like a waste of time. So and I kind of was just making every excuse under the sun. I eventually made the phone call and I ended up actually loving her. Unfortunately, I don't have her anymore because I moved, but um, I did see her over telehealth. We did EMDR pretty fast. Um, I really, I am going to be honest, I have some, I want to try EMDR. Yeah. Like, I think that it would be helpful to deal with, like, a lot of my trauma situations, but it's finding the right one. Yeah. And, I mean, you can do EMDR over telehealth, which I didn't know at the time, but that's what we did, because there's different ways to do it. Um, You can do visuals, so, like, moving a finger or tapping. We did the tapping just in case there was some sort of lag. So that way I still was getting the benefit out of it. And I will tell you it worked and I really didn't think it was going to because I've tried so many things. I just didn't think it was going to work, but it definitely does. The only issue I would say with it is you have to go through it again in order for it to work. So if you're really having PTSD, which I was, so I had all the physical symptoms like my heart was racing my chest was getting tight I was sweating I was feeling really anxious so you still go through it again but if you can think about it this way you're going through it again for the last time Mm -hmm. then you you know you go through it and then it's over and it was so weird because usually you do it on core memories or like memories that are really big for you so I went over only one memory but it included a person that I consider an umbrella to most of my trauma, like just the person. So um, I ended up doing only one memory. And I guess that memory was so strong, it kind of dissolved all the other ones. 
in a way. And I tried explaining it to her. She said, wow, that, that's amazing that it did that. So after literally one session, one hour, I can't even tell you how much better I feel. So now it's really weird because when I think of that memory, it's like it didn't even happen to me. It happened in a movie or mm-hmm. it just it wasn't real. Um, what EMDR does is it basically causes your brain to reprocess whatever memory it was. And how I like to describe it is it puts it into a filing cabinet with everything else instead of it being this huge, horrible thing that happened to you. So then when you end up thinking about it again or a smell brings it back or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not as severe or it may not be severe at all. You may feel nothing. The point is to feel nothing. So now when I see that person, I don't really feel anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I would be pretty close to a panic attack every time I saw him or heard his name or saw a text or an email or something related to him. My heart would just immediately start beating. I remember... I was working in the hospital one night and I had a patient. Well, I didn't have the patient, but I saw an incoming patient with the same exact name and the same age. So I, f- I immediately froze. So I was like, oh my God, if I get assigned to this person, granted, I can, at the time, I already spoke with management and I said, can I, if this were to happen, can I switch? They said, no problem. But still, it was just the fact that I saw it. You know, it ended up not being that person, but. Now when I see the name or if I hear the name, I don't really feel anything. That's the point. So um, it definitely does work. You just have to, you have to be willing to try it and you have to be willing to, I guess, go through it again. And it can be really difficult to do that. I think that it would help in more ways than one for me. But again, it's, it's kind of hard. We don't have a whole lot of practitioners of it up here, accepting patients and whatnot. So yeah. Well, um, I know a lot of LCSWs do it now. So. Yeah, I don't think mine does. So that that's kind of unfortunate. I could always talk to my psychiatrist lady. She probably would know. You could also go on um, Psychology Today. That's where um, I found her, actually. Yeah, that's where you can find a lot of people. And it will actually tell you in the, if they put it in, it'll tell you if they do EMDR or not. Or if they do trauma therapy, even if it doesn't say EMDR, I'd still ask them because trauma therapy usually includes EMDR. So you just kind of have to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I have some stuff I could uh, use that on. Um, I think that's a yes. <laughs> I think that's a big time yes. Um. I think, like, another thing for me, so I had to learn, like, coping strategies. So, for me, like, spending grand ideas, um, being a dickhead to people, like, oh, don't even get me started. Um, Let's just say, like, before I was medicated, I would take advantage of people, like, big time. Like, I would, I would, I got on, like, a dating app to literally get free meals. Like, that was it. And then I'd, like, ghost them. Oh, boy. Like, I was psycho. And I know I always said, don't let Ben do that to you. But also, don't be like me. <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. It was bad. Um, But I think, like, for me, like, once I started, like, my treatment journey, I got self-aware. The self-awareness... I don't know if I've experienced that yet, to be to be honest, and maybe that's because I'm not in the same boat as you, but mm-hmm. 
Like when you say oh, I'm that, in a boat I don't know what you Titanic. mean. <laughs> I'm in the boat and it's the Titanic. Okay. You, can you explain what you mean by self-awareness? So as part of like my journey, um, my therapist and I like kind of sat down and she was like, so talk to me about like some of the stuff that you used to do. And I was like, I used to take advantage of people. Like I take advantage of dudes. I would like ghost them after one date. I was an asshole. Um, when I was manic, I became like hypersexual, would use like anything I wanted. I had to have it. I was impulsive. Like I would just spend, spend, spend. Um, I was basically like this crazy person and I would like fuel it with alcohol and I would fuel it with going out on benders pretty much. Like it was bad. And basically when we sat down, she was like, okay, so here's how we're going to cope with it. And by coping with it and, like, talking it out, it made me self-aware. Like, I, like, a big example for me was um, when I was a sophomore. So, when things started to get bad, I drank so much that I blacked out. And I ended up, like, getting super sick. And... I was acting like a dick to everybody, and I became extremely self-aware of that after sitting down and being like, that is the trend. Like, that is my trend. Um, I, I'm kind of, like, on this, like, journey where I've, like, stopped drinking because I know that if I drink a lot, things are going to go sideways. And I've become very aware of, like, my own actions. Like, prior to being medicated, I had no... I What's the word, the phrase I'm looking for? I had no, like... I didn't... I was so reckless that I didn't care what happened to me. I was like, I don't give a shit. Whatever happens to me, happens to me. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Like, that was my mentality. And since, like sitting down and talking about it I'm like why did I why did I do that like why like self-sabotage why did I self-sabotage I self-sabotaged everything I had good relationships that I self-sabotaged I had bad relationships that I stayed in because impulsivity and kind of letting people use my own kindness against me it's another thing I became very aware of people taking advantage of me um it became so my self-awareness journey has basically been like sit in therapy talk about all the fucked up shit you did come up with a coping strategy to avoid said fucked up shit and um basically become aware of everything that you did like i i had gotten myself into so many toxic friendships and relationships and like talking it through has made me so aware like I sat down and I talked about one of my exes through and through and I was like this is what happened this is everything that happened this is what came from it like the trauma whatnot and she was like and what would you have changed and I literally said well the writing was on the wall. I just ignored it. 
like I can openly admit that to myself um there's other like circumstances too like um I had a big one so I used to live with someone I was very close with um we had a falling out um unfortunately um it became like something that we were we both kind of like claimed it was political it was had to do with politics um but in like this whole self-awareness journey I realized that there was nothing I could have done to fix it there was Mm -hmm. nothing I could have done to keep it there was nothing I could have like I shouldn't be blaming myself for it because when I needed help and I reached out for help she didn't respond I trusted her and she left me to basically be stuck in my situation that I was in. I'm sorry that happened to you. It's not your fault and it's not my fault. It's the fact that other people are not as aware. Um, I think part of it comes to like, comes down to like selfishness and whatnot and it's like the type of thing where I was like I told my therapist and I discussed this like through and through because her thing was like so she abandoned you and I was like yes I was like if you ask her it's political or she can't Mm -hmm. give you a straight answer but if you ask me I will tell you I needed help I asked for help I tried to get help and she just didn't answer and I always said like I was always petty about it, like, before everything. Like, it would piss me off. I would get rageful. I would be really upset when talking about the situation. Now that I've, like, sat down, thought it through, and became very aware of what actually happened, and it wasn't just delusions, I was like, you know, it's how it's going to, like, it is what it is. I can't change it. They won't change. And they're they're still close with people in my group like I will always be friendly and cordial and civil but they'll always be petty and that's just how it is but that was like a big like awareness moment for me um that one that I worked on recently I'm really proud of you for that one because I feel like one of the biggest things I struggle with is acceptance I had to learn to accept it yeah I have a really hard time with it. I mean, I was kind of raised to not take no for an answer, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm still kind of that way. So it's really hard when you have to get to a point where you give up or where you have to let things go. I have a really hard time with letting things go. I always have because, you know, you kind of grow up where, at least in my opinion, you feel like everyone should be responsible for their actions, like constantly actions have consequences everyone should be responsible for them but not everyone ends up having those consequences or at least in a timely manner where you get to see it so when people do things to you harm you and then you don't see a consequence it's hard to accept that because for example if I were to do that I would see the immediate consequence just because that's just how it is but you know I think also too like I don't want to be, like, rude, but in a way, this person was a narcissist, and big time, like, this just, like, went to show um, for it, 
no like hate to them at all but yeah listen if you're a narcissist you're a narcissist most the thing is that a lot of people don't know they are same with histrionics they don't know that they are their reality is the way that it is so you can tell them time and time again or they could be diagnosed with whatever they won't believe it because it's not their reality at amber heard (laughs) i think that 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 was yeah no and i i think like another thing too is just as like a thing with like disorders and like mental illness there's still a stigma you can't you can't try and tell me otherwise yeah I can't even talk like to most I, of my family members about it. If I went and talked about my mental illness and diagnosis with some of my friends, some of my family, they would be like, burn her at the stake. Like, she's crazy. Like, there's just, like, no... In the media, another thing that kind of gets me is, like, television and media. They portray disorders over-the-top and over-dramatized so that people think that you're going to be acting like that. But in reality, yeah. it's not going to be like that. I think well, it like has a big to be one entertaining, so. Like I think like some of the the big ones are like I've seen like Law and Order episodes, like Shameless episodes, like anything any TV show you can think of, it's like okay, like yes, that does happen, but some of this is very over-dramatized and giving a bad name to people. Like one stupid example, but this is just one that I've always thought about. One of the old Grey's Anatomy episodes that Demi Lovato was in. Oh, you probably know that one when she comes in with, with schizophrenia, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, that's how they portrayed schizophrenia, but it's not always like that. And she it, wasn't even schizophrenic. No, she was hearing. I mean, I would act that way if I could hear what's going on inside my body. Could you imagine? Like, no. that's insane. So. I'm all set. I don't even know what that diagnosis is, but she ended up having a hole in her ear canal or something, which that can happen. I, I yeah. mean, um, it can, you can get holes pretty much anywhere due to whatever, but that's besides the point. Anyway, but um, the fact that that's what people think of, you know, um, and even if you've, I don't know if you've seen the movie Beautiful Mind. Yep. Oh, one of the most greatest movies ever. Um a lot of people probably haven't seen that movie, but that's another example of, I mean, I would say that's like, I guess, typical. I think what you would think of, but I feel like because people are so different, there's just so many variations of everything. It's just really hard to put a label. Yeah. And I feel like too, a lot of people don't think this through. Um, so a lot of people who have mental illness cope with it with other stuff to depend on, other dependencies like alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be. Um, and people don't realize, but like, yeah, addiction can stem from some of that. And it is a disease. Like, I feel like I've heard plenty of people be like, well, it's a choice. Like, it's really not like you're trying to cope with something. And that's your only way. In reality, just... we're all addicted to something. Yeah. It just depends on what it is. Like, yeah. if you're the type of person who wakes up every morning and has a cup of coffee as soon as you get up. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. Like, it's just part of – and I'm one of those people – I'm a classic Libra, so I love routine. And as soon as I'm out of it, like, my body even doesn't like it. Like, I have hypoglycemia all the time. So – um. 
if you do something like that, and it could be checking your phone as soon as you get up in the morning, or TikTok, if you watch TikToks all the time, like, it doesn't take much for something to become an addictive behavior because, well, most of us, if not all of us, have some sort of void we're trying to fill. And what yeah. do you fill it with? You fill it with alternative measures that bring you some sort of joy. Yeah. So it's just like kind of irritates me when people are like, oh, well, like addiction is a choice. It's like, do you think like I chose to drink heavily every day because. I wanted to, I'm not saying I was like a full-blown addict, but like, do you think I chose to wake up and drink every day? No, I, I felt numb. Like, I needed to feel numb. I would argue that the initial encounter, like when you first do whatever it is, that was the choice. Mm-hmm. And then once after that, which honestly, most things, you try them once, you're addicted. Like, that's just how yeah. it works. Stimulants, for example, Adderall. You take one. Nine times out of ten, you become dependent on it pretty quickly, even though it's technically for good reason, right? No. Um, unless you take it wrong, of course. Or alcohol, for example, you have maybe one or two drinks, and then you're like, hey, I like the feeling of this. You and get used to like that feeling. Drinks. Exactly. Yeah. You like that feeling. It brings you some sort of joy, peace, whatever. It's almost like euphoria in exactly. some cases. Exactly. And your brain is kind of trained to increase addictive behaviors because it's it's your brain is looking for stuff too like i mean you are your brain technically but your brain is always looking for things to increase serotonin or dopamine or basically satisfy the satisfaction areas of your brain is what it's looking mm-hmm. for and that goes for literally anything so you know whatever you end up finding to be your addictive behavior like shopping at marshalls or tj maxx you know, that's an addictive behavior. Um, so it can really yeah. be anything. But I really think it's that initial encounter. That's the choice. You did make that choice. There may have been mm-hmm. influencing factors of that choice, but you did make that choice. And then afterwards, if there is an afterwards, it does become an addiction over time. Mm-hmm. I think, too, like it didn't help. Like some of the situations I was in in college just didn't help the situation that I was facing mentally and I still continue to have sometimes weird coping mechanisms so for me like I write a lot of things down a lot um another coping mechanism is like if I want to do something like extravagant or expensive I have like this it's gonna sound so funny but um I have this, like, rules. Like, I have a set of rules. Like, okay. did you... Hold on. I'll read it for you guys. Please do, because um, I need to make my own set of <laughs> rules. I've done way too much shopping recently. Like, there's a bunch of designer bags that I really want. But Stop. I, I know. But, like, I'm, I'm going to make a set of rules so that way... Because, you know what it is? I did a budgeting sheet today. Yeah, the budgeting hasn't really been happening so i need to fix that oh i can't find my rules do you like know in general what they might yeah so there were like three major rules um uh, crap why can't i find it 
um, the first one being, did you sit down and think this out? And then it's like a sub bullet. Like, did you think about this for three months or more? The answer is yes. Move forward. Um, is this financially within your means? Have you been saving for it? If it's yes, move forward. Um, is this like going to long-term affect you? Like for me, it's tattooing cause it's, it's a problem. Um, if y- negatively or positively, I would say positively because I love being tattooed. Um, I'm trying to think of like some of the other stuff, but basically it's like this, this list and it's like, if the answer is yes, move forward. If the answer is no, like think on it some more or save some more or whatever it is. Like I want to, like my friend Christina and I have been talking about this for two years now. Like we want to go to Italy, um, next spring. Okay. It's on the list. Have I saved up for it? No. So it's obviously staying on the no side. Um, how long have I been thinking of this? Well, it's been like two years in the making, so that part I can move forward on. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like this this like guideline that I like live my impulsive decisions off of, I guess, in a way. I need to do that. (laughs) Yeah, my therapist came up with that one with me. Um, I can't remember where I put the list, so... You'll find it later when you're done. I haven't used it recently. Um, I haven't really thought of anything, like, crazy. Um, other than thinking about Italy again. But again, I already know it's not going to happen for at least another couple months because we have to plan it out. Um, actually, we're looking at spring. So it's it's a decent amount of time away. Um, yeah, and if you budget enough. Like, what I've well, been doing recently is I've been – I have it auto – in my checking that a hundred dollars, I think a week or something like that goes to my savings, which, well, you know, the thing too, is like, it might be postponed uh, to 24 depending on, cause she's a travel nurse. So depending on her contracts, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not putting all my eggs in the basket. Um, I also have like other trips I want to take obviously to Arizona. <laughs> I think it's good that you have a list of things you want to do or look forward to, though. I don't even have one of those. I think I should make one of those, too. I had, like, some bizarre ones. Like, I think I removed it off the list, but I said if I, like, lost, like, all, like, 45 pounds that I wanted to, I would, like, buy myself a Canada Goose jacket, took it off the list. Why? Because I care too much about the coyotes. I don't know. (laughs) I can't. That's funny. (laughs) It's just, like, weird shit like that. Um... Like, the Mac, like, we talked about it yesterday. I've been talking about getting, like, a desktop Mac yeah. for, like, I've been thinking about it for, like, a good six months, but I still haven't done it because I have the financial means, but I can't find one that I want. Like, I'm at the point now where if you're going to spend so much money for something, like, and to me, like, $100 isn't a lot of money anymore, but at the same yeah. time, if you're going to spend a certain amount of money, you better like everything about it. Like, That's my like car, what- for example... I like everything about it. Yeah. So I bought it. But that's what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone's like, you bought something like kind of out of your price range. I was like, but I like it. And it actually wasn't out of my price range because little did you know, I was saving pennies for it to put a deposit on it. So I mean, I feel like also some people can be your own worst enemies. 
Like, oh, I have, sure. like, one friend who's, like, family. I'll, like, do something, and they'll be like, well, did you think that one through? And I'm like, don't make me second-guess this shit, because it followed everything on the checklist. Um, But, I don't know. Like, I also, like, realize, like, as I've gotten better, I get rem- buyer's remorse big time now. Ugh, me I too. I used to never. I yeah. When I was, like, not in treatment, and I was, like, impulsive 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 i like did not have buyer's remorse and now i do like my dyson air wrap if i flick if it if the cord goes in a certain direction it turns off and i was like i don't think i can justify spending six hundred (laughs) dollars on this i would have the worst buyer's guilt of my entire life um back then it it didn't bother me but now it does so, mm-hmm. um, I feel like just stuff like that. I feel like now too, like now I'm able to buy my own stuff and like, I still live with my parents, but Same. I buy my own stuff. Like I pay for Part my stuff all the time. <laughs> no, what I was going to say actually is I actually have a lot more respect for my parents and how, not that I didn't have respect before, but just more of an idea of what it's like and the whole bargaining and the whole only buying things when they're on sale and only shopping at Costco for certain things. Like I'm now really understanding it. Whereas before I had no idea. I understand. I got a BJ's card specifically so I could get 10 cents off my gas. Dude, once you get a Costco card, if you ever decide to get a Costco card, I can't tell you, I feel so great. just having. That's like another, here's like another thing too. So when I was, like, in my impulse spending stuff situation, um, I didn't have money. Like, I was broke. I was flat broke. Um, and I was putting everything on credit. I finally paid off my credit cards. Finally. Finally. And now I'm, like, afraid to put any money on it because I'm like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. I think, like, that. I Like I said, it's, like, the self-awareness stuff. Um, as for, like, coping strategies, I do have the list. I'm very, like, diligent about, um, making sure, like, I don't, like, if I do use the credit card, like, I pay it off right away, and it doesn't sit there for six months and accrue, like, a thousand dollars in interest. Um, I, um, I'm very, like, diligent about who I spend time with, um, just for the sheer fact of, like, the abandonment stuff that I went through, like, and that I realized on my self-awareness. Um, yeah. I still get tattooed. I still have really bad body dysmorphia. I don't think that's something that I'll ever be able to really work on. Um, part of it is, like, the way I was brought up. I was brought up diet culture. My family shoved diet culture down my throat. 100 calorie little, packs. Mine was kind of like that, but a little bit different. Like, 100 calorie packs in your face. Like, you did sports. You played soccer. You did all this stuff. Um, so, I think that will never go away. And as I've gotten older, like, um, it's been harder because, like, I do have, like, thyroid problems and um, polycystic ovary syndrome, which makes it hard to lose weight. So, it's, like, something I have to – I still deal with a lot. I think, like, a big one for me was seeing pictures from my friend's wedding, and I was like, ugh. God. I will say, I think I still have 
I don't know if it's body dysmorphia or just general insecurity. Like, I don't know what to call it. Because I've always been on the heavier side my whole life, mm-hmm. even as a little kid. It kind of started, I want to say, at probably six. Like, you, you saw it. I was a chunky kid. Um, I was too, so I, I get it. I was skinny at, like, the age of four, and then suddenly. But what's interesting is when you go on about, like, the diet culture, mine was a little bit different. So mine started as you have to eat everything off of your plate, and you can't leave yes. the table until you finish your plate. And yes. my plate was, like a mountain of like spaghetti or like a mountain of food that no six-year-old should be eating too much food and I remember I would actually be at my family member's house and she would literally say to me like if you can't finish it this is how it was if you can't finish it right now you can get up and go to the bathroom save some room and then come back yeah and then eat more food that's what I grew up in so, granted, my mom, my mom had no idea, right? So this yeah. was, like, my grandparents' house on the other side of the family. My mom had no idea. But it was my normal. Like, a lot of things were my normal. So I gained all that weight as a little kid. I not only was bullied for that weight, I was also bigger chested. So that didn't help either. Um, and then I started doing sports because I felt so insecure about my body. Plus, I had been doing soccer since I was four. So it just kind of made sense to keep going. Because that was the only real exercise I was really getting. So I kept doing soccer throughout high school. And I my eating was the same. Like it never changed because that was my normal. That's what I was taught. And then it wasn't until I would say within the past couple of years that I've actually gotten a much more healthy relationship with food in general. So. Yeah. I think for me, I'm... I'm still struggling. Like, I live with a family that's very, very into diet culture. Um, unfortunately for my sister, it hasn't it yeah. hasn't helped her. She's in treatment. Um, and, like, for me, it's like, yes, I, I, I know I'm overweight, but there's, like, reasons behind it. My body's metabolism is at a snail's pace. Like, I'm not processing sugar as I should. Like... It's something that I'm obviously trying to work on. But on top of that, like, I lost a good, like, 20 pounds since January. And I'm proud of that. The problem now is I'm stuck. And no matter what I do, I'm not losing. I'm gaining here and there. And I also, all of a sudden, am having, like, severe stomach issues. Like, yeah. I feel like... I've focused more on not really looking better, but just feeling better. I feel feeling like I if you focus, eat. yeah, if you focus on like the feeling better rather than the looking better, I think you end up getting the results you want because you're not comparing yourself to others. Like my biggest thing is, and I still do it, even though it's subconscious, I compare myself to my sister all the yeah. time. Like she has, in my opinion, the perfect body like absolutely stunning flawless that's my opinion she probably doesn't feel that way about herself but that's how i see her and i have a completely different body type than she does like completely different you couldn't be more polar opposite she's also yeah, super tall she's also tall she's also been an athlete since she was little. like she's been an athlete longer than me she did sports and she did dance which she did more than i did so she's got a different physique She's also 18 years old. I'm comparing my body to an 18-year-old. Yeah. And it's just, like, that doesn't make, logically, that doesn't make any sense, the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm doing that. 
I've gotten better with the whole comparing myself to people on social media because to be honest, I go on it a lot less. Like I really yeah. don't find myself going on it as much because I've realized that looking at it actually makes me more sad looking mm-hmm. at it. Um, you know how Instagram has like those sponsored ads now? Yes. So, like if you don't follow enough people, um, it'll like show up, show whatever's popular. So you'll see the Kardashians, of course, you'll see, <laughs> you know, all those people. And not that I want to look like the Kardashians, but it kind of just goes to show you what is considered a beauty norm right now or in general. And I mean, do you know who Pixie is? Have you no. ever heard of Pixie? So there's this woman, her name is Pixie. She, um, I think there was a documentary done on her a couple years ago. Basically, she is a model and she's had tons of these plastic surgeries done. I think she's had over 20 or 30 or something like that, like crazy amount. She looks mm-hmm. basically nothing like she used to. And I mean, that was her goal. But at the same time, it's like we have these beauty norms that are just they're outrageous fathomable at times and just it's like like I'm supposed to be skinny around the waist but have big hips and a big butt and big boobs and have no acne and have no blemishes and also have perfect legs it's just like the things that are expected and I don't know who decided to make them these norms but it's like it's unbelievable. And now whenever I go on Instagram, that's what I see. So then I'm just like, okay, the side effect of Instagram is I end up being sad or I end up overthinking or I end up second guessing myself. And it's like, um, why? Yeah. Why I am find, I second guessing myself? I find that to be true for TikTok as well. For sure. Yeah. Um, it definitely hasn't helped me. <laughs> um, I think the age of social media has made things worse. I feel like now I'm at the point where, like, I go on social media and I don't even want to really be on it anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. not even just for that, but also because people are really sensitive. And so if you make any comment, they immediately come after you. We have such this – we have this huge cancel culture Cancel culture. That Mm -hmm. is unbelievable. Like, oh, my God. It's just – it's so overwhelming. So, yeah. It's just – I'm at the point where I don't even want it anymore at all. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. But for me, it's more or less like image. I'm having, I have such bad image problems. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I grew up in a family and my house is still very much diet driven people. And for me lately, I'm just kind of, because of all the stomach problems I've been having because of, you know, just kind of like, I was, I'm limiting myself on like my happiness and like foods that I like. So I've basically come to terms with, I'm going to eat what I want, fruits, veggies, protein, in moderation. And if I want some chips here and there, so be it. I think like the big one for me was last week I went to visit my grandparents and I decided that I wanted some Cape Cod chips, um, just like a handful, um, because I hadn't eaten much that day because my stomach was bothering me early in the day. And they're gluten-free. I know I'm not, it's probably not celiac, but I'm trying to be more mindful of how much like gluten I'm taking in. Um, so I was like, you know, I really want some chips. I haven't eaten much today. Like I'll just have like a handful, maybe 10, 15 chips at the most, whatever. 
my grandfather made a comment and it was basically like that's not on your diet is it and I said excuse me and he basically was like you didn't eat all day so you could fill up on junk like this and I literally looked at him dead in the face I go and this is why my sister will not come to see you because all you care about is how people look and how thin they look and how fat they look and I was like and that's really really nasty coming from you and he was really offended by that but I was like do you, like, what, what did you expect me to say? Did you expect me to, like, not stand up for myself? Yeah. I'm it's really 2020. It's 2022. I'm standing up for myself. Yeah, I'm not letting I'm people really, walk all over me. I'm really saddened by the fact that he said that. It makes me sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, like, that was one thing that, like, that it's just one of those things that I don't think I'll ever be, like, truly satisfied, like, with my image. Yeah, I mean, maybe it just, it'll take time for you. Maybe, maybe like, when I'm older. Yeah. It, I think it goes back to that whole acceptance thing, which, like I said, I'm still having a really I'm accepting, hard time. I'm accepting certain things, and that's, yeah. this just isn't one of them. Yeah, like, I've kind of accepted the fact that, it, not in a sad way, but that I'm not going to have the body that I want. But what I can do is work on the body that I do have. Yes. And make it the best that it can be is kind of how I'm trying to look at it. Absolutely. Um, And like I said, I'm trying to focus on the whole feeling better rather than looking better. And when I went that way, I've noticed a lot has changed. I think that's the mindset I need to move into. Um, It would be nice to look better, but I definitely want to feel better. This whole like GI situation that I'm going through, um, I'm really hoping that I get some answers on it so I can start to like actually enjoy eating again yeah for sure and going to the gym because I've kind of taken a hiatus because things kind of were like wonky for a while Mm -hmm. for me like I got the flu I was like down for the count and then I just stopped going after that and because things just kept popping up Mm -hmm. um but I think like that's one goal I think like by the end of probably after july 4th i'm gonna try and go to the gym like at least two to three times a week and i mean i think the gym is definitely a good outlet i just like to exercise i like to do cardio it's not even like i go to like lift i'm literally going to bike and do the stair climber and doing the elliptical Mm -hmm. maybe doing lightweight but i'm not i'm not going there i like going to the gym a lot of the time because it helps with my mood makes me feel better that's yeah yeah it makes me feel a lot better there's something euphoric about the after the workout. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When you're exhausted, but you feel good. Like, it's like a good tired is how a lot of people talk about it. It but... is. And, like, I've noticed, too, like, although, like, being on medication helps with things, I still have, like, little moments of, like, up and down. Um, and I think, like, a big thing for me is the gym. I go to the gym yeah. to burn out my energy when I'm feeling little up and I go to the gym because I have to get out and do something instead of just lying in my bed and wallowing yeah I find that going for walks which I'm definitely going to start doing now that I'm moved in um going for walks is like I love doing that it's one of my favorite things to do because I mean going for walks for women especially is like the number one way to prevent osteoporosis and like 
bone breakdown and stuff like that. So not even running, just walking. Um, so that's one of the main reasons why I like it so much is because I have like knee issues. I've always had knee issues. They've gotten better with diet, but working out definitely helps as well. Um, but another thing is I really like going to the gym, which I don't know if I'll do that, but I like going to the gym because for some reason, <laughs> lifting weights and doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. if I'm angry, it helps to dissolve my anger. <laughs> like I usually will go to the gym if I'm really angry and mm-hmm. take out my anger on weights. And then I'm so tired at that point, I'm not angry anymore. And then I just shower and I go home. <laughs> yeah, I... I just, like, don't even, I don't even lift much. Like, I'll go over and do the, um, what's it called? It's, like, the leg press, um, which is, like, oh, squats yeah. pretty much. And mm-hmm. I'll do, like, the leg lifts and, like, the curls. But I really don't do, like, a lot of arms, which is probably um not a good thing. I don't want bingo arms, so. I mean, you don't have to do it, but I like to do it because, well... I think it also depends on what your occupation is. I feel like where I was working before, you did a lot of lifting, so it was helpful for me, whereas with you, it may not necessarily be a factor. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There's kind of something cool about, like, pulling out your guns and your tattoo bulges a little bit, you know? That's what I should, like, (laughs) I should get into that, like, mood where I'm like, I need to have muscle because I need to flex with my ink. You gotta flex the ink. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm, like, so not. Like, I just can't picture myself being, like, a... Do you even lift, bro? Oh my god, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. But yeah, I think, um... I think that the gym is definitely a good coping mechanism. I also think getting into hobbies, like I have a few, I'm one of those people that has so many open going hobbies. I never finish them until like years later, usually, except for this one. This is the one hobby I've managed to keep up with. I love this hobby. I do too. (laughs) Probably because it involves me talking and it involves me listening (laughs) and it involves me talking to you. So that's probably why. See, I think, like, for me, my big hobby that has, like, become more prevalent is photography. I love it. I bought that really expensive camera that I shouldn't have. I'm going to have to recruit you for future endeavors. Listen, when I come to Arizona, we don't have to worry. That's true. I'm excited. The The photos will be phenomenal. If they don't take my lithium ion battery again. Oh, no. It happened to me on my way to London. They took my lithium ion battery, so I had to find one in London. Damn. That's yeah. so specific. I don't know what it uh, No comment. It's the TSA. Well, if you need me to buy one and have it for you ready, just let me know. I have two now. So. Oh, okay. okay. I bought a two pack, so I'm just going to have to hide the other one really well. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Alrighty. My phone oh, yeah. is blowing up, and I don't know why. <laughs> I want everyone to leave me alone. Your miss popularity over here. Dude, I don't want to be. Take these people away from me. 
Uh, so I guess long story short, uh, it's okay Don't to be. <laughs> what? What were you gonna say? We shouldn't stigmatize. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be mentally um, ill as long as you're not hurting others. It's don't fine. hurt others. Yeah. Hurting um, others is bad. Watch your friends. Ask your friends if they're okay. Yeah. I feel like that's and a like, big thing nobody ever does. Yeah. Ever. I agree. Um, and I think like another thing is if you feel that you're um, not doing well or okay, um, they have like text lines and suicide hotlines and whatnot um also better help and other stuff yep and if you like really want to do like a zoom or telehealth or in person like please go to like what is it psychology today Mm -hmm. um they've been they've they've helped me they've helped my sister um find who we see for practitioners so yeah i found my therapist at the time on there as well um Yeah, I mean, I would mainly recommend the fact that if you're asking for help and you're not getting it, someone will give it to you. Someone, someone will. somewhere will give it to you. Someone someone out there cares. In this case, don't stop at no, like I was saying don't earlier. Say, don't take no for don't an answer. Don't take no for an answer. Don't ever take no for an answer. And also, remember, take your meds. Take your meds. I didn't and, take my meds yet. And your vitamins. <laughs> I was supposed to take it this morning. Good job. And look where we are now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Kids, take your meds. I forgot to take my vitamins the other morning, and oh, I felt it. I felt it. So. Yeah. And try not to turn to drugs and alcohol if possible. (laughs) Don't don't do it. It's not worth it. it. No drugs. Hugs before drugs. And also, if you... you really want to take like a trip (laughs) self-awareness journey (laughs) um I have learned so much about myself on my self-awareness journey like I've come to clarity with certain things Mm -hmm. um yeah I think that that's like a huge thing for me um -hmm. I could probably tell you like 10 different ways that self-awareness has fixed my problems or at least make me come to terms with things that I did I feel like, in a way, you also eliminated a lot of distractions. Like I eliminated distractions, distractions and I ended relationships and friendships with people that. Yeah. Um, I became when I became like self-aware. I started eliminating friendships and relationships that brought me down, weighed me down, Mm -hmm. or like there was no benefit. Getting rid of what doesn't serve you that's basically what I did and I realized like I sat down and was able to sit there and like compartmentalize and be like you didn't you weren't here for me so I served you with being your emotional support but you never did it for me yeah and I ended a lot of friendships and you know it sucks Mm -hmm. but you live and you learn and it's all about your happiness and it's time to be selfish. I was just going to say, I feel like your happiness is the time to be selfish. That's what I, I'm thinking. The 20s for me is selfishness. And that's okay. Mm. I'm just at a different place than other people. I'm in my selfish era. <laughs> Our selfish villain era. I like it. I like, I like it. it. I love it. It's great. It is. 
Shall we wrap it up here? We shall. Alrighty. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Maybe next week we'll do something a little bit lighter. We'll do something lighthearted. Yeah. We'll do something lighthearted. We will. We're going to try to get a guest for next week. We'll see yes. if we can get the timing to work appropriately. <laughs> and I that horoscope episode is going to come. We just, we want to do a nice one. Like, we want it to be really, like, I have know. to do some extensive That's, research. Yeah, me too. Well, I have the research. I just want to write it all down. Exactly. I want to have my thoughts put together so I'm not all over the place. So. Make it a little bit easier. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one. And remember, take your meds. Take your meds. Talk to your therapist. (laughs) And use healthy coping mechanisms. And that's it for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at It's the 20s for me. Be sure to follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play and leave a review. New episodes will drop every Wednesday. Remember, what do we say when our anxiety gets to be too much? This anxiety is chronic, but this ass is iconic. We've got more issues in vogue, yet we're still out here modeling. Thanks Thank you for, for listening. listening.